This is episode 521 of the AWS podcast, released on May 8, 2022. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of AWS Launch. It's been a while since we last chatted. I know we've had reInvent and we've had so many different launches, but we have another cool launch at the start of 2022 that we're here to talk about. Today, I'm joined by Matthew Campana and Jeremy Stieglitz. Uh, guys, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourselves? Good afternoon, everyone. This is Jeremy Stieglitz. I am the principal product manager for Amazon's key management service. I'm Matt Campagna. I'm a senior principal engineer at Amazon, been part of the AWS cryptography org for the last eight years, uh, overseeing cryptographic design uh, across AWS, including KMS. So this should be a definitely interesting chat. I'm honored to be joined by you guys today. And I'm no crypto expert, so I'm probably going to ask all the dumb questions. Be prepared for those. <laughs> um, first, let's start off by talking about what did you guys launch? What, what, uh, what did you launch? AWS Key Management has launched a new cryptographic capability, really a foundational cryptographic building block called HMAX. Uh, this is a new set of APIs for generating and verifying HMAX. Uh, customers have used HMAX for a long while now, but this is a way to incorporate those within the security boundary of KMS. So you can use KMS security principle properties, uh, protect keys in the KMS HSM, and really better harden and control access to generating and verifying HMAX. Okay, and for those of us that aren't familiar, what are HMAX? Yeah, so an HMAC uh, stands for keyed hashing for message authentication codes. And it's it's a standardized message authentication code that uses a cryptographic hash function. So there's a bunch of technical words thrown in there. So maybe I'll, I'll take, take two separate definitions and talk about a message authentication code. Uh, and that's a value that's computed over some message that allows the recipient to verify who sent that message and that the message hasn't been altered. And you do that through generating a message authentication code or tag, so generate MAC. And it, it's similar in a lot of ways to a digital signature in that nobody else who doesn't know this associated secret can forge a message authentication code. And it uses a cryptographic hash function, which is a basic primitive that we construct uh, out, you know, cryptographic constructions out of. Um, and that too has a few specific properties. And HMAC uh, is, a, is a specific construction defined by a few cryptographers in the mid 90s, Kratchek, Bellari, and Kennedy. And it's sort of the best in breed of the message authentication codes that are out there. So it's one of the strongest types of Macs that you can uh, construct today. Got it. Okay, so it's a so uh, I use my cryptographic hash to create a message authentication code, and then when I sent it, um, you know, my receiver can decrypt it using the same cryptographic hash or a different one or a key or how does that work? So both both entities would have access to the key. So in okay. the case of AWS KMS and and the HMAC, a sending party could create a MAC called Generate MAC pointing it to this new KMS CMK, uh, it would generate a tag value that you would append to the message. And then you would just send the message and the tag. 
And that would allow the recipient to say, oh, I got this great message from Matt. Uh, did it really come from Matt? And I could then take that message tag and call verify Mac in KMS. And it would tell me, yes, this message is in fact from Matt. Got um, it. And that's that's what uh, a message authentication code is telling you, that the message was sent from this entity and that it hasn't been modified. And then I can verify it using a, mm -hmm. an API or, or some ways Correct. if I'm the receiver. Okay, cool. Okay, and um, you know, I know that we've been using HMAX internally, you know, inside KMS, and you just you just briefly mentioned it. Um, since probably we've launched the service back in 2014, can you kind of you know provide additional color on how exactly they've been used internally? Yeah. So I mean, uh, from the first FIPS certification, uh, the HMAC functionality has been within the FIPS boundary. And we've been using it from the early design of KMS. Now we've used it internally for how we store our metadata around customer keys. Um, so we would, along with sort of the key policy and some other metadata around the keys within our data storage layer, we append a Mac so that we know that no one's gone into our data store and has sort of changed some of the structure around. So we use it just like uh, it's intended to be used, that the person who wrote, when we wrote this message into right. our data records, it hasn't been modified. So when we access it, when you make your next call to do any KMS key operation in the background, we're verifying things like the policy hasn't been modified using this HMAC capability. So we've been using it since day one within KMS, and now we're externalizing that feature to our customers. And um, in externalizing it to our customers, what is an example use case of how a customer might use this? So, you know, I call this a basic building block because these properties that Matt talks about, authentication and integrity, um, right. are more generally talked about as a token. And so lots of things need tokens. Lots of standards yes. and protocols use HMAC as a variant of a token. A, a great example of that is SAML. If you wanted to log into a website, use your username and password, SAML allows you to create basically a tokenized version of that for single sign-on to other websites. And so inside lots of protocols, they'll use this idea of a token. And that's where HMAC really is gonna have power for our customers. It's, it's going to be invoked in those authentication and authorization protocols. There's some networking protocols that make use of, of HMACs. At, at a more basic level, you know, in addition to tokenizing username and credentials, people use these in financial applications to tokenize credit card data or bank routing data or customer account IDs. Basically, it's a way to create a unique hash or representation of something that's going to maintain those properties around integrity and authentication. Right. And then the receiver can verify that, you know, what they're receiving is actually what they expect. And it's coming from the person that they expect. And no one's intercepted the data or messed with it, essentially. Absolutely. Okay. So let's take, um, you know, a real world use case. Um, I'm pretty familiar with uh, with JWT tokens or JSON web tokens. Some people call them JWT tokens. Um, walk me through an actual use case or where a customer you know, has a JWT token and might need to use these new APIs. So uh, when you create a token, you typically have one, one entity creating the token and a second yep. entity verifying that token. Yes. And a third party that kind of gets that token. So they might authenticate 
to server A, get this signed token that says, hey, I authorized this guy. Uh, here are some policy elements that I want you to enforce. And then put that all into a um, like a Java token structure and then put the Mac code at the bottom. And that allows that person who did the authentication then to redeem that at another server, sort of with some uh, federation to use that token somewhere else. And the service that you're asking it to validate this token can then look at the contents of that token and then call verify and verify, ah, yes, uh, th this was indeed authenticated by my authentication server. So I'm going to accept this token for these sets of privileges because that's what the policy had those privileges to enable in that token. Got it. And so these APIs that we're providing, where would they be used in that process? So they'd be used at the first server, let's call it the authentication server, that to created? issue that created the token and call a generate Mac API to sort of put the contents of that token into the call and get back that Mac tag and append that to the Java token structure and send that back. And then when it gets redeemed at some application server, the application server would call verify Mac. And, and right. so in this way, you know, by, by being able to write access control policies on the CMK that says roles in the authentication server class can only call generate Mac and roles in the application server class can only call verify yeah. Mac, you have some uh, ability to authenticate that only authentication servers can generate Macs and only application servers can verify those Macs. Which is even a step further in, in security. Uh, because you're making sure that only, yeah, only one side can do the thing that you expect it to do, meaning that if that server got hacked, nothing crazy would be happening, essentially, that or that you don't expect to happen. Yeah, two two things happen uh, that that sort of give you an, an extra safety margin. There is one: you're not distributing that secret key. That secret key is only accessible within the FIPS boundary of the KMS HSMs. And second, your your the access to that is separated based on the need to use that key. Where in a traditional use of an HMAC, you'd have to have both keys distributed to both endpoints, which would allow in that particular application, the application server to also mint these legitimate tokens. Got it, which is less secure, essentially, than what we're talking about. Correct. Right. So, okay, so going to an example um, of like credit card data, because I'm sure credit card companies or payment companies have a lot of interest in, uh, in usage of these APIs. What is the flow for them? Maybe it's exactly the same that you just said, or is it different? Um, how would they use these APIs and um, how is it helping them? Yeah, I can give you a use case. Um, imagine you're a large global entity and you're selling products in multiple locations and customers can sign up in multiple locations uh, to buy products from you. In location A, uh, a customer presents credit card data and, and you'll use it to process that purchase. And at some point later on, uh, a customer might move. Uh, they, they move to Singapore and they start buying things in locations in Singapore. Um, how does that enterprise know whether it's seen that credit card before or not? Um, an HMAC construct where you generate an HMAC, which represents the credit card, you sign it with your key, you create a hash, a unique deterministic hash of that 
credit card can be pushed into every table of every application globally with, with very little security risk because you're not pushing around credit card data. You're pushing around tokens that you've seen this credit card before. Mm. And so now at some future date in Singapore, you're about to make a purchase. You enter your credit card because you're signing in and that application can know it's already seen this credit card previously because it can generate the same HMAC again and verify it's already seen you. And so it's a way to identify previous customers. It's a way to match credit cards. You don't create a duplication of records. Um, and, and you can do this on the HMAC without having to push out credit card data into every application globally. So it, it shows up a lot in credit card processing because this tokenization of your credit of card credit information card data, right. is, is deterministic and unique. And, and so that gives you some really nice properties and sort of data management. You've got referential integrity. You, you don't have any risk of collisions. Um, and because you're signing it, you know that it hasn't changed between when you created it and when you're using it next time. Right. So I'd imagine a ton of financial institutions are are using this and also probably interested in, in these uh, these APIs. So, you know, we've added this new flow for HMAX with keys protected in KMS. Prior to this, what were these customers doing? You can see HMAC in most of the cryptographic toolkits, right? It's in right. the Java crypto engine, it's in Microsoft's crypto API and the next generation crypto, it's in OpenSSL. There, there is base, because I called this a basic building block, you'd expect to see it far and wide. So there's lots Definitely. of places to invoke HMAX. Uh, I think the challenge for customers is, uh, and we've talked about some of that already, you're invoking that in software. So you're going to generate a key in software and you're going to have to find a place to store and protect that key. And if you're going to have someone else make use of your HMAC, you're going to have to find some way to distribute keys. Uh, that all goes away with this KMS implementation. No worry about security generation of the key. No worry about the protection of the key. No worry Permissions. about who can access the key. Right. Uh, audit trail on that key. You have perfect visibility and every time it's been invoked uh, and no distribution challenge because there isn't, you're not pushing around keys anymore. You're simply either generating or verifying from the KMS. Right, that's really powerful. Also, the permissions aspect that we were talking about earlier of I can only, you know, create the key and I can only verify as this server. So you've added an additional layer of security on top of the security mechanism, which is um, definitely probably super valuable to our customers, especially our financial ones. So do we have any examples today of customers already using these HMAC APIs? Yeah, we do. So I'm going to give you a, a couple here. Uh, one is the uh, straight up SAML assertion that we've been talking about. Uh, in this case, it was a banking customer and they needed to build a consumer facing uh, wealth management and finance app. And uh, you probably have one of these from your from your own bank or your own brokerage account. Um, this customer needed to securely manage uh, what we'll call silent logins to other sites. Uh, you've probably used this in, in your apps where you wanna check your balance of your 401k. And so you need to use uh, an underlying protocol called SAML uh, to make that assertion uh, yes. across, across the internet. Um, they're using this new uh, KMS HMAC API to replace their on-premise HSM system. You know, remember wow. we 
we talked about earlier, how do people do this today? I mentioned they do it mostly in software. Some customers do require higher security on those keys. And so they've been using on-prem HSMs to do that. Um, the KMS offering is nice because it's a way for them to achieve that same level of security and do it all from a cloud context. And That's not have that. to maintain that software themselves. That's right. The second one is really back to that notion of tokenization in the, in the credit card world. This is a credit card processor that wanted to strip and remove credit card data from the source of it getting entered on their website. And so this is moving to an HMAC as fast as possible on the ingest of credit card information. And mm -hmm. then in all of their analytic systems and all their backend processing, because of that referential integrity, they're able to have that strict binding that that pseudo, pseudo credit card if you will, the HMAC version of it. Right, is being sent everywhere. Is the way they can treat it internally. And so for them, the importance for them was to capture and really convert credit card information to HMAC as, as early as possible in their processing of that. And that gives them a ton of advantages in PCI scope because once they can convert this to this pseudo anonymized token, the rest of those downstream systems now come out of scope for, for PCI audit purposes. Right. And they all just use this HMAC being passed around um, and it's just, it's easier, it's more secure. So this is like an extremely powerful value add for companies. So what is the pricing around this? Like, So KMS in general prices on the number of keys you create, and we're going to attach that price to HMAC keys. Uh, in cryptography, you don't want to use the same key for two different purposes. Right. So we do require you to create new keys for HMAC keying purposes. And so that has a standard KMS price of a dollar per key per month. Um, in addition to the key storage fee, KMS has a usage-based metric based on API calls. And the HMAC API is going to flow like any other API through our billing meter. It's three cents for every 10,000 calls. So um, that's a standard usage billing rate that really applies across all of KMS's APIs, uh, with the exception of, of some other uh, metered rates for more complex asymmetric operations. But on that last note, um, some customers have been using KMS for Java web signatures using our asymmetric keys. Um, they will be happy to see this feature launch because one of the things they can do is move off those complex and a little bit slower and uh, operations using asymmetric keys and move those Java web signatures over to HMAC. Got it. So, you know, we talk about we talked about pricing a little bit here, but, you know, because this is an API, what about um, the boundaries of this API? Like, is there throttling for the API um, latency? How many times can I hit this API, um, you know, in five seconds or two seconds? All questions that I'd have to code around as a developer uh, when working with an API? Yeah, so uh, we're, we're, thank you. Um, I'm quite proud of this answer because uh, you know we're eight years in and we've we've built some uh, uh, strong amount of scale in this platform. So yeah, in our regions, our large regions offer customers a, a 50,000 transactions per second quota. So wow, you would have to you would have to hammer us at, at a pretty high rate to hit a uh, HMAC quota. And if you were willing to hammer us that hard, we would work with you to to scale out uh, to meet whatever quota you needed uh, on the performance side. I think the one interesting boundary that we had to make a decision on was the size of the message object. You know, recall that underneath all of this is a hashing methodology. Right. We have 
various key sizes for SHA-224, SHA-256, SHA-384, and SHA-5112. That simply refers to the sort of size, size. keys. Uh, the actual messages are bounded by 4K in this API. So you, you couldn't write you know, a super un, uh, unbounded message into our API. There's a 4KB limit. But you know, recall that the vast majority of HMACs are tokenizing uh, short data elements. Uh, right, short string. Password constructs, we talked about credit card constructs. We think the 4K limit is the appropriate one to get started with. And someone presents a use case for some massive payload, uh, we'll take a look at that down the road. Right, but there hasn't been one yet. And obviously internally, there isn't a, a good reason for it to go above 4K. So it's probably fine. 4K sounds reasonable for what you guys are sending across the wire anyways. Yep. Um, that's amazing on the performance though. Like that was... Uh, that's I, I, that's very very good for an API. Yeah, you should I mean the way to, be proud of that. The way to think about it, you know, recall that that customer is moving from on-prem HSMs. You know, if they're an aggressive user of HSMs, they might have four, or they might have four in in, in two regions or, or or twelve. You know, that that would be the largest, most complicated HSM fleet you could manage on-prem. Right. Our fleets are over a thousand in our larger regions. So we, we simply afford an economy, an economic model and a, and a scale model that lets us deploy HSMs into the thousands uh, to achieve that. Right. And you're also servicing AWS. So that's a that's important piece of it. Yeah. Um, so what does the future look like possibly for these APIs? Do you see customers asking for something additional that's not available today or um, anything like that? Yeah, there is uh, there is some future work uh, that we could think about in terms of uh, uh, additional HMAC capabilities. Um, you'll recall that you need to create a new key in, in KMS to use our HMAC API. Um, but for customers that have already been building HMACs somewhere else, they may have key material that they want us to take use of. And and traditionally, right. the way we would do that is with an import facility. Um, you know, when we launched, we did not support imported key material on on the HMAC API. And so that's something that we could imagine uh, in the future, uh, some need for coming down the road. Got it. Okay, that does make sense. Yeah, that you would wanna import something, but um, is there anything else that we didn't cover you know, already that you would want customers to know about this, uh, this extremely powerful capability that you've launched? Um, so say, you know, to return to the HMAC as a basic building block, you know, and the reason we, we chose HMAC is that it makes a good, what we call a pseudo-random function, which is your ability to take inputs from any input set to a random output in a set. In this case, let's say a 256-bit a string or a 384-bit string. And there, that's a basic cryptographic primitives that we use for, as uh, one of the things that Jeremy pointed out, was tokenization without things like the risk of a collision. And that's due to the property of the hash function. But there are other applications such as um, sort of key derivation functions. So you, you frequently want to have a reliable ability to, to fetch a deterministic key. Today, customers call generate data key in KMS, and they store alongside the data, the encrypted ciphertext blob of that data key. With introducing HMAC, you can now use other unique aspects of that key and the this HMAC key to reliably get the same key 
by calling uh, the generate Mac as a key derivation function. So we envision a number of those types of applications being available to our to our customers. And it's really gonna depend on how they wanna use it. Uh, the fact that it is a standard implementation of HMAC and HMAC makes a strong uh, pseudo random function. And there are numerous cryptographic constructions that take advantage of that. This allows them to build those applications with an anchor in a FIPS certified security module. Got it. So you're you're probably eager to see what people are going to build with these APIs and then how they start actually using them. Uh, at least I'm interested to see, you know, beyond just the initial customers that you guys have. It could get interesting. Yeah, I'm actually super excited. I think this this one's a big one. This is the third pillar in KMS. You know, the first pillar was data protection. Second pillar was RSA and the elliptic curve, public private keys. This this is actually a third pillar. Uh, it, it brings that much power to the table. I can see that already. Uh, well, thank you guys so much for joining me today to talk about your lunch. Um, it's honestly been a pleasure chatting with you both. I don't know if there's anything left that you wanted to add to our customers, uh, but if not, how do customers get into contact with you if they have feedback about this launch or your APIs, or maybe they have an interesting use case that you guys haven't thought of yet? I can be reached on LinkedIn, Matt-Campagna on LinkedIn. So feel free to connect with me there. And I also have a LinkedIn handle. I'm, I'm old enough to have just my last name be my LinkedIn. So Stieglitz, S-T-I-E-G-L-I-T-Z, uh, will get you there on LinkedIn. Nice. And you guys all know where to find me. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter if you have feedback about the podcast, this launch, or pretty much anything related to AWS. My Twitter handle is K-N-E-E-K-E-Y 23. That's, you know, like your knee and a key 23. Always know where to find me. I answer all of my DMs there. Thank you guys again for joining me today. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Keep on building. Awesome. Super fun. Thank you. Thank you, Nikki.